gamer gate shit. I haven't really paid attention to anything. Gamer what now? Yes. <laughs> the whole Shadows of Mordor controversy that we were talking oh, about. Oh, I think most of that's kind of died over. I haven't. It, it I seems, don't know. I haven't checked. It seems like things have kind of calmed down a little bit. The internet's on to hating something else now. Yeah, and actually that's what I'm going to start us with. But, uh, okay. but first, why don't we just mention to, you know, Anybody who might not know that this is the Enemy Slime podcast. This is episode number 47. I am Jared, here with you to talk about games and stuff and things that we like. And uh, once more, I'm joined by Lucio Lorenzino. Hello, I also talk about games occasionally. And Mr. Douglas Wilson. I don't play video games, ever. He doesn't. He's an odd uh, addition. I I have opinions (laughs) about them, but I don't play them. So you're saying... You're saying that you are um, a video game journalist then, Doug? Sure. <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that pretty much summarized it perfectly, I would say. Well, let's talk about, uh, about the stuff that's going on this week. I don't even know if you guys have heard about this, but it's amazing to me the amount of goodwill that Double Fine has had that is... <laughs> That is just kind of slowly vanishing. I was just talking about this with somebody, actually. So I'm guessing, uh, hopefully we're referring to the same thing here. Um, There's a little game that Double Fine put out on Steam in early access called Space Base DF9. Uh, This is a game about building and running a space station, along with all the regular challenges that would, you know, occur while, Mm -hmm. while maintaining a space station. Um, the game came out in early access on October 15th, 2013, and has been developed, you know, uh, ongoing since then. Now, Double Fine has chosen their wording very carefully here. The game is not being canceled, because if it were being canceled, there might be some cause to give your money back or something. Uh, it's just not getting finished. Well, no, no. It is getting finished. Uh, the game will be leaving its alpha early access status and entering its 1.0 feature complete release status, uh, at which point the developer will release the source code and stop all work on the game, aside from like bug fixes and things like that. <laughs> now, this has upset a sizable chunk of people. Uh, primarily because it's largely seen as a very unfinished game, and mm-hmm. you know that's kind of not good. So right now, a lot of things have happened since then. Double Fine, of course, is saying that this isn't a big deal, and that you know the game is going to be feature complete and a and a true game. But there are a lot of features that simply aren't going to be able to make the cut. So yeah, I mean, a lot of the content isn't complete and won't be complete by the time the game reaches its 1.0 status. Now. There are a lot of people who are upset with this, and there are so many interesting quotes that people have been able to pull about this. And I don't, I don't know how much you guys have followed it, but uh, um, not at all. Many, many of the people who were upset with this announcement uh, pointed to a forum post that has actually been deleted at this point. So I couldn't source it to a person. I couldn't source it back to an actual person at Double Fine. You couldn't source it back to Schaefer, is what you're telling me? I know it's a Double Fine employee or representative, but I wasn't... And and mind you, I didn't, like, try super hard because this is all over the internet. But um, this very loving quote from Double Fine, which says, Double Fine is not a random fly-by-night indie dev, and we are not going to silently pull the plug on Space Space or any other in-development project. Doing so would be disastrous for our reputation, and it would kill us emotionally. (laughs) So there you have it. The folks at Double Fine have been killed emotionally. So Tim Schafer uh, went on. uh, The the games developer posted a couple of responses and tried to kind of calm the situation, but he's just getting destroyed in the Steam forums. Uh, So Tim Schafer went on to help him out and bring his goodwill to to add it all up and see. So what you're telling me is that he most certainly made things worse. Mm, no, I I think he did. I don't the know best. because I've seen I've seen Schaefer trying to calm people down. <laughs> he did the best damage control that he could do in this situation. So Schaefer said, and this is just a quote from a long post that he made. He basically said, "We started Space Base with an open-ended production plan, hoping that it would find similar success and therefore funding to the alpha-funded games that inspired it." Some of its early sales numbers indicated this might be the case, but slowly things changed, and it became clear that this was looking like a year and a half production instead of five or so. 
With each alpha release, there was the hope that things would change, but they didn't. We put every dime we made from Space Base back into Space Base, and then we put in some more. Obviously, spending more money than we can make, uh, than we were making, rather, isn't something we can afford to do forever. So, as much as we tried to put off the decision, we finally had to change gears and put Space Base into finishing mode and plan for version 1.0. I mean, there's a few things going on here, right? So, you have the perfect interception of somebody who's trying to use a crowdfunding model to run a business like a regular business um, in an environment where you just made your clients also your investors, in a sense. So you can't just get away with shit like that anymore. So, you know, if you have your own game that you were funding before, fine, whatever, do whatever you want. But when you make your clients also your investors, that's a whole different deal when you have to answer to them, especially considering how uh, eloquent the internet tends to be when they're upset, no? I think there is some key phrasing that is particularly like chipping at people and upsetting people. And that is the term early access, which early access kind of even just like by its English definition, it carries this connotation of um, the game is going to exist no matter what. And we're giving you early access. It's not called make game exist access. It's it's not like that. It's it's something I mean. The perception that people hope this gets finished access. Hope this gets finished access. The perception that people have of this model is that the game is going to be developed no matter what, and if they'd like to take a look at it while it's in its early stages, they can go ahead and do that. And if they'd rather wait for it to become finished, they can do that as well. And arguably, Double Fine is planning on finishing it, but I don't think many people are going to be satisfied with what their definition of complete is. And that's what I mean with the disconnect. I mean that they, you know, Double Fine is using this as kind of a you are investing in the finishing of this game, and the people, the clients, who they're looking at as investors, don't see it that way. Yeah, it is very, very, very difficult to jump from like alpha version six to one point in the span yeah. of a month. Like that's not that's an uphill battle with your user base to try and convince them that you've done everything necessary. And I mean, I guess good on them for turning over the source code and letting somebody else pick up where they left off. But that's in a lot of ways. <laughs> I don't think that's good on them. I think that's just them telling them, finish yourself. It really, well, it really <laughs> kind go. of is. It really is like a, it really is like a, a, a plumber came in. If you, if you really wanted so bad, just fucking finish it. He set up all your piping and then he just left the sink, you know, standing in the middle of the bathroom said you can hook it up <laughs> exactly well i think the one thing i know that with double fine and, and tim schaefer in particular this isn't the only run-in he's had with some sort of early access slash kickstarter controversy it's like wasn't it broken age where he's like oh we need a lot more money well so, i'm not no, sure no, if no. this guy can handle a budget yeah that's right what i want to say tim schaefer has a reputation from the days of lucas arts for not for not dealing well with scope creep. Like, uh, yeah, because it also happened with Brawl Legend. It also happened with Psychonauts. It's just that at that point, he was under the publisher system. So, you know. Someone, someone could rein him in. Right, exactly. And uh, I think one of the things that I was telling this person that I was talking to earlier today is that I think uh, a lot of companies have shown, like, for example, in Exile or Obsidian, have shown that if you leave. People with creative freedom in Kickstarter and things like that, they can do amazing things. But I think Double Fine kind of shows you the other side where it's like, there's a reason why that publisher system existed in the first place. You need at least one business-oriented person to be like, okay, knock the shit off and finish this damn game. Exactly. And you can tell in a lot of his earlier games that he kind of went too far and they had to rein him in. Like, you know, the, the best example is, uh, brutal legend where there's an entire army that they only use once and you can tell that the game was supposed to be at least like 10 more hours so brutal legend has a um a connection to activision who published it and uh bobby kotick every everybody's favorite dude um had some choice words to say about schaefer and i i, I always thought that this was kind of i don't know if funny is the right word but uh he was he was operating in response to when Schaefer called him a prick in an interview 
And Kotick said, I've never met him in my life. I've never had anything to do with him. I never had any involvement with the Vivendi project that they were doing, Brutal Legend, other than I was in one meeting where the guys looked at it and said, he's late, he's missed every milestone, he's overspent the budget, and it doesn't seem like a good game, we're going to cancel it. And you know what? That seemed like a sensible thing to do, and it turns out he was late, he missed every milestone, the game was <laughs> not a particularly good game. So, hey, man, I love the legend. I, well, I get where he's coming from. You know, I, didn't, I didn't perform, I think, the way that Activision wanted it to. Right, right. And so, I mean... In a way, this studio that he's moved to, where he, it, it, it's such a double-edged thing because being able to control himself is good for him creatively because he can leave things in the oven longer and spend the appropriate amount of time on things. But it's not necessarily good for him, maybe financially, because he has gotten into trouble. And I, first of all, let me let me. But back- this has happened with every every Schaefer game that I can remember. Yeah, but let me backtrack a little bit, which is everybody attributes this to Schaefer, and they're like, "Oh, Tim Schaefer's bad at money, and Tim Schaefer's the reason the space space didn't get." It, it's that space space in particular probably isn't super Schaefer esque. Um, no, it's, it's not his project. You uh, don't tell. We have we have habits of taking you know one face of a company and then taking all the company's successes and failures and attributing it to that face. And I, I don't think that's the case here. I don't think it's like Tim Schafer can't spend money responsibly, uh, but he does seem to wind up on a number of projects. Like if he's got an accountant, he should probably fire them because <laughs> things obviously. Haven't always worked out super great for him. Well, so it kind of seems like they've stacked the deck at Double Fine with just creative people alone, which exactly. is fine. But yeah, you, that's you that's the vibe someone. I get, right? Like it operates on this really great creative level, but they struggle with kind of business elements. And like this is just a bad time for this to happen because there is a little bit of controversy with Broken Age because we were supposed to get part two of it supposedly this year. And, and still nowhere to be seen. And I don't even think it's written yet. If you follow Schaefer on Twitter, it sounds yeah, like he he's said still that he writing was, it. Yeah, he he went in. I remember reading the post that he said, I went in on Saturday to write the dialogue for Broken Edge. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's not done. Um, and then Massive Chalice, which is supposedly coming out, I think, this month. I don't think there's any way it's coming out this month. Uh, I think it's probably got at least uh, maybe even not this year. And I think that I think if I was recalling correctly, they just barely mentioned on Kickstarter that the game was probably going to be delayed. And that's just not the kind of thing that people who do this crowdfunding stuff want to hear. You know, they just want the game. Right. And I think they'd rather have it in a timely fashion than have Elijah Wood voice acting. And in in terms of you know, delays, I mean, it's, it's fine, I guess, if you have to delay the game, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you always, you can... You can... Well, when you do it with every single game, then you start having to, you know, to ask some questions. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, the list of games that have been delayed and then turned out worse because of the delay, that's probably not a very big list. Like, if, no. if a game got delayed and it turned out bad, it was probably bad to begin with, and they were just trying to salvage it. I don't think anybody ever had like, you know, Ocarina of Time ready to ship gold and they're like, give it two more weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go uh, to shit. Yeah, exactly. But um, still, it's not just it's not a reputation that you want to have, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like I said, it's just it's so interesting because over the last just few weeks, um, this this company that had, like I said, just a lot of goodwill has kind of slipped a little bit. I don't want to say that the goodwill's gone, but it seems like I keep reading them being talked about in the public consciousness in maybe a not-so-great way. So, I don't know why you'd want to give them Kickstarter or early access money now. Yeah, that's exactly I mean, what I'm I saying. Don't, you know. Anyone with half a brain, so I'd be like, I think I'll just wait. I mean, hopefully they churn out Massive Chalice soon and it delivers on all the promises that they have given it and... Uh, that if they can do that, that'll solve some wounds a little bit. I um, think that one of the things that is saving Double Fine right now is the fact that the games that have come out have been really good, you know, with the exception of Space Base. But, you know, Broken Age was great, um, you know. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that says something that you're really eager to get part two. Right. Um, I don't know. They're just, uh, and, and maybe if you're a backer of Broken Age, it probably feels a lot more transparent about what exactly the hell is going on. But 
to the general public, because the general public is invited into the conversation at this point, right? You sold the first half of your game to them. And so now they're concerned about what the development is, but that information is only being made available to backers. And so it kind of causes a little bit of a problem. Well, now they're stakeholders, right? So they have a right to know. Because I bought the game and you only gave me half of it. Mm, if Tim Schafer decides to move to an island, you're getting what you got. Like they're suckers. I don't think I mean, that, he has he has no legal obligation to give anybody anything. I think. Of course not. So, but still, um, I mean, I mean, sure, it's kind of like that joke of the guy who goes into uh, you know the agent and you know the, the trick is to kill himself. Mm-hmm. You can only do it once. It's the same thing. I don't tell oh. me tell me the story. This doesn't. It's an old joke. Uh, some guy goes into an agent and tells him, oh, I have the most amazing act ever. And the guy goes like, well, okay. So what is it? So the guy blows himself up right in front of him. He's like, oh, my God, that's incredible. And the guy says, like, yeah, but I can only do it once. Oh, that's the joke? But yes. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's a good joke. It's not, it's not a good joke, but it is, you know, it illustrates a point. Like, you know, he can only do it once. Does anyone have a better joke than that? I have my go-to joke, but it's bad. Okay, I mean, lay, I've told it before. Lay it on me. Did you hear about the circus fire? <laughs> no. Uh, it was intense. <laughs> there that's you go. That's not bad. better than mine. That's pretty good. They were, they were both quality jokes. Um, the point is, he cannot release Broken Age, but I don't know that he has enough goodwill to ever do anything. Uh, they just need like to that. stop messing around with it for a little while and come back to it later. But the problem is, is I think they've, I think they like it too much. I don't see a scenario where they go and get traditional funding now. I think this is how that company wants to operate from now on. Of course they do, because that gives them the, the freedom to, to anybody. Look, no, nobody was going to realize something like Broken Age. Mm, but it, here's the thing. If you piss off investors, a project fails. If you piss off your customers, your company fails. No, I agree. So that's what I'm saying. That's why they like the models. The model is appealing, but in the long run, if you keep failing to meet expectations, uh, it's it's going to hurt you significantly more than traditional funding would. But the thing is, is that a lot of the games they're making would never be able to get traditional funding. So I don't even know that there is a right or wrong answer here. Fuck it. Put them out of business. <laughs> the end. See you later, Shaper. So. Let's talk about the other uh, big news of today, at least, which is that Blizzard has... Uh, Blizzard has canceled World of Warcraft. It is over. <laughs> Sherbers have shut down. It's never, this was all uh, an alpha this whole time. and Yeah, deleted, going to deleted everybody, <laughs> charged everyone's card three times, and they're, they're piecing out of this motherfucker. <laughs> Actually, before we, before we go into Warcraft, um, Wait, I, I think some more... Titancraft. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything about Warcraft. Whatever that the other craft, yeah. Um, I think uh, a related story is that uh, Kickstarter has changed their policy now. Oh, I haven't. I haven't heard this. Tell me. Oh yeah. So basically, they are making it easier for backers mm-hmm. to go after people who don't deliver on the things that they kickstart and don't deliver. Oh really? Uh huh. So, so they're basically like, saying you got to fucking finish and give out your rewards. Pretty much what they're saying is that they're shifting liability to to the people that are doing the Kickstarter. So if you don't deliver, then yeah, you if, if you get Kickstarted and funded, then you need to deliver on your stuff or you're liable for whatever happens. This gets so tricky, man. This gets so tricky. Like, yeah. I remember uh, one of the guys from Animal Collective. Uh, is that even a band that people know? Well, either way, it's a band. Um, he did a Kickstarter or like an Indiegogo or whatever, to fund a solo album. And he got it funded, and then he never made the album. He okay. he went and traveled a bunch, which a lot of people speculated he used the money to do. And uh, he never put an album out. And he said, I'm sorry, and I don't even know if to this day there's still an album there. But if he was a real asshole, and people got mad about it, and it's already Animal Collective, so it kind of sounds like this anyway. He could just make an album of like random beeps, <laughs> and then release it like the the sounds of dial up. <laughs> track and one. You're the autobackers. Track one. There's, there's definitely going to be some lawsuits that come out from this, and then that'll either 
they'll quick start to roll back their policy and just say, sorry, users, it's you get fucked, you get fucked, or they'll... Well, that's kind of, that's kind of their policies right now. Well, that's what it is right now. Like, so if, if it falls back on Kickstarter, they'll roll it back to the users. I mean, I feel or, like I feel like getting fucked is kind of the cost that you pay for being oh, yeah. able to fund games like Wasteland 2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, if you want point-and-click adventure games back and you're willing to pay for them, that's great. But You just have to know you might not get anything. And, you know, it's, just, just like a publisher who shoulders risk by taking on a shitty game that might not sell, you're shouldering risk by taking on a game that may never exist. You're just making a bet. That's all it is. You're just making yeah. a bet that that game will get made. But yeah. I think that people haven't gotten it yet besides the fact that we've been doing this for like two years now. It's because people are stupid and they'll never get it. Right. But I think what Kickstarter is saying is that, you know, after a few a few projects with bad publicity, they need to start doing something so people won't leave. I think, I think this is what they need to do. Uh, this is pretty simple to me. If you start a Kickstarter... Uh, you are not allowed to start another one until you've completed your original one. How about that? Then everybody gets one. That's true. Yeah. So there you go. So Tim, old Timmy boy, until Massive Chalice comes out, you better stay off Kickstarter. You have destroyed Double Fine's revenue model now, Jared. They're out of business. Quit funding games. Finish, finish, Finish what you have on the pipeline. Yeah, you know, God, you can't have your dessert until you finish your plate. But he's bored of that one. He wants to go on to the new one. Mm. Wow. He still hasn't finished writing Broken Age. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know that he wasn't that far along until I saw the tweet, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I thought this was like wrapped yeah, I thought up. It was like, exactly. But I guess I don't not. think it's gonna come out this year. Like, I hope they can get all the actors back. I mean, Elijah Wood is probably gonna be dead by the time they. He's an old man. He's he's at least fifty-seven. Yeah, I think he's. I think that's what I read. Fifty-seven. So, should we talk about Blizzard? How did we get back to Double Fine? What happened? We were talking about Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. Well, so anyway, Blizzard for the last seven years has been... I'll just do it right away. They've been working on it for seven years. It's next-gen MMO. It's called Titan, and today they canceled it. Okay. Uh, I don't care. It's not a big surprise. Yeah. Last year, they had already announced that they were going back to the drawing board on it, which is a pretty significant thing to say about a game that was six years old at the time. You know, I, I, at least six, seven years, I don't time. even know what it was. Like, it's an MMO, but that's a pretty broad stroke of the brush. Yeah. So the quote from, from Blizzard CEO Mike Morheim says, we didn't find the passion. We talked about how we put it through a reevaluation period. And actually what we reevaluated is whether or not that's the game we really wanted to be making. And the answer turned out to be no. Uh, he later went on to say, I wouldn't say no to ever doing an MMO again, but I can say that right now that's not where we want to be spending our time. So there you go. If you thought Blizzard was working on another MMO too, they're not, according to them. Well, so, WoW already still makes them a ton of money. I mean, they're, the playership is going down, but it still pulls in millions and millions every month. Well, and I think I think even in that same interview, he was talking about how he had he had high hopes that that was a series that they'd be able to just keep supporting, you know, for the entire existence of the company. Oh, I mean, it. I mean, they, I think they're still at like six million, and that's almost probably still double or triple the biggest MMO that's not World of Warcraft. Still, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been very successful. I'm sure they'll continue to be very successful. They almost certainly didn't need Titan. Um, I mean, all Titan would do was erode the player base of. World of Warcraft. That's all. That's all it would have done. And the thing is, is like nobody even really knows that much about it. So you shouldn't be like crying yourself to sleep tonight because you're not even really sure if you're missing out on anything. So now what they can do is they can finally go back to Ghost, which is still technically on hold. Since no, like 2001. No, Ghost, <laughs> Ghost, Ghost ain't coming back. I know Ghost ain't coming back. I, I think they've officially categorized that as uh, not happening. Well, they never said anything official or anything. Mm. The last thing I heard was that it was on hold and then, you know. That same interview that I was they reading. Took, they, took, they took it back down, you know, into the back room and just like shot him in the face. Yeah, that same interview I was reading, uh, the CEO commented on how it's painful to cancel games. And he cited StarCraft Ghost as one of those. Uh, so, I mean, at the very least, it's implied that it's definitely canceled. Yeah, I know. It's, so. it's not coming out. Yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, hold on to hope. <laughs> someday nope. lost vikings lost vikings the next game <laughs> yeah uh, what, other, what other game is in development that never came out 
um, like just notable vaporware. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's uh, let's take a trip down memory lane. Let's see if they we did can... do a World of Warcraft like adventure point and click adventure game that yeah. saw the light of day. Yeah, War- Warcraft Adventures, I think, is what it was called. They just kind of baked that into like the World of Warcraft lore. Though I remember that, and I remember watching a trailer where like it looked really hype, and then I never heard of it again. All right, let's see. Uh, Half-Life Two, Half-Life Three. Notable canceled video games. Oh shit! They have it separated into. Uh, they have it separated into sections. Holy hell! Um, I went what? into the give me list a, of paperware in in Steam, and it has a Half-Life Three. Give me, give me a console uh, or a system that we want to talk about canceled games for. Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Let's see. Super Nintendo. I guess Star Fox Two is probably going to be in there. Yeah. Uh, I think we got the far superior StarCraft Adventures. Or Star Fox Adventures. I was going to say, <laughs> StarCraft Adventures, huh? Um, Batman Return of the Joker, Bill's Tomato Game. What? I'm pretty upset about that one. I feel kind of gypped now. God, actually, it looks pretty It looks pretty sweet. Uh, let's see. Quest for the Shaven Yak, starring Ren and Stimpy. Uh, gotcha. We could do without that one. Oh, shit, guys. McDonald's Treasureland Adventure. So that's what my life was using all this time. Uh, Lethal Enforcers 2 Gunfighters, which I believe is the uh, uh, Western Lethal Enforcers. Uh, Gargoyles, based on the animated series. Chrono Trigger Crimson Echoes? I don't. Is that a real game? Or is that just like a... I heard a rumor. Is this one of those things where they just like... Oh, it was a fan game that was going to be a ROM hack of Chrono Trigger. Oh, well, then okay. fuck it then. Yeah, that's not interesting. Um, I mean, let's Chrono break if you want a vaporware that was legit. Let's try something a little more current. Xbox 360. Let's see. Things that were canceled. Uh, bonk. Brink of Extinction. Shit. Nah. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Presumably because the first Chronicles of Narnia didn't work out so good. Uh as much as Hello Chronicles or Narnia, that's not a game that lends itself to video game. The, to video games. The Office video game. What? <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings was canceled. I don't know if that... I think that might have come out on PC. Um, yeah, it looks like it came out. It did come out for the Wii, Nintendo DS, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation Portable. Um, let's see. Rise, Son of Rome got canceled, but more so just pushed to another uh, system. The Witcher was supposed to get an Xbox release, but it got canceled. That's all right. I think that's pretty much it. That's the rest of this is just garbage. Sounds like most of them got canceled for a reason. Yeah, because they sound shitty. What's Furious Four? That sounds good. Oh, Brothers in Arms. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's your uh, that's your list of canceled Xbox 360 games. I should uh, I should be done here, anything. but I feel like the golden era for like canceling games is probably the Nintendo 64, right? Yeah. So, um, ah, there's actually nothing really good in here. Quest for Camelot. Know. That sounds familiar. Oh, it's based on a cartoon. Right. Uh, Darkstalkers Three, Die Hard Trilogy, Chicken Run. Die Hard Trilogy. Oh, classics. Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to back away slowly from this list. <laughs> I would say the, the most notable one is probably Kirby Air Ride. But that eventually... Uh, Kirby Air Ride eventually made it on the GameCube. So, did it get canceled? No, it just moved somewhere else. Oh. It doesn't count. Should we talk about our... Last little piece of news. Let's do it. Sure. At least this is the only one I have. I don't know if you guys thought of something else. Um, Steam did a little overhaul for their store, and probably the biggest notable change is they announced and released the uh, curator system, which allows you to basically forge a, a group entity that can recommend games to people. And apparently this is bad, I, I guess. Some people are... I mean... Let me see. The top creators are Total Biscuit, PC Gamer, Jim Sterling, Rod Paper Shotgun, Nerd 3, and Kotaku. 
Yeah, I think that, that's... That, that's like a personal affront. Well, hey, I mean, that's what's popular. If you were popular, you'd be in there. We don't even have a Twitter page. Well, Jared. should we? Yeah, I don't even one. I don't even know. Is it a thing that we should do or is it like yes. morally and ethically wrong? I would say ethically wrong to recommend games to people. That's what we do. It's the, that's what any Islam is for. Well, a lot of a lot of people seem to think that it it goes too far. Well, well you guys just review far? games. You're not really journalists. You do, you don't actually have any opinions. I mean, so. I I understand that Gaming is about opinions now. I understand a little bit where people come from uh, because it, it does give I, I want to hear that side of the argument. The theory that people have is that it is going to be easier for a company to pay you to endorse their game on the system. Um, like it, it's much easier to pay someone to just click a game and endorse it than it is to pay someone to write a positive review for it. Uh, whether or not you want to subscribe to that theory, I don't know. I'm not saying I do. Uh, but that's anybody who's given backlash about it. That seems to be the general thing they subscribe to. I mean, so if you if you curate one of these games, do like they send a representative to just give you your blowjob or you don't like you don't. Uh, according to Steam, you don't get anything aside from uh, aside from the knowledge that you recommended a game. Well, that doesn't sound fair. You're going to sell out. I see. I see what you're saying. Uh, I guess I see where they're coming from, but. It seems impractical if there's... Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to pay you, you fucking just do something with it. Well, and if you suspect that your news entity is corrupt, then maybe you shouldn't be using them as your news entity. And if you think that on the Steam curator page, just don't look at that curator page. Uh, but we've been yeah. paid to recommend a lot of good games to you. So, yeah, I think we'll open up the Steam curator page and... Uh, <laughs> We don't even get paid. That's the sad part. We do it for free. That's God, we do. We, yeah. we're so so what, what's better, people of the internet, to uh, they recommend a game and getting paid for it or just being idiots like us and recommend it for free? Because Re- I feel like I'm getting gypped now. Recommending a game four months after its release because you bought it with your own money and had to play it in between work hours. What? Yeah. What's superior? So I'm feeling pretty stupid right now. Yeah, like we nobody, have- has, nobody has slept with me. <laughs> I haven't gotten, you know... The millions of dollars that I guess everybody else is having. I mean, you look like a huge sucker. I do. I you mean, start charging for slimes. One slime is a thousand dollars. There you go. Five slimes. Five. Five grand. Five Gs. And I'm gonna send next an invoice right now. That'll pay the bills. All right. Well, that's employed as of now. So whatever the next game on the site is, that's how much they're willing to pay us. Now you know. <laughs> um, should we talk about actual games? Let's talk about it, actually. So, a couple of things came out. We talked about Wasteland 2 last week. Did we talk about Cannon Brawl? We didn't, but I want to... I know that Doc has been playing and would like to get his... I did want to get the second opinion. Uh, is it as good as Lucio says, or is it garbage, like I suspect it is? <laughs> I, I like it. I It definitely has some things I would have wanted changed, but it, it's really fun. I'm I'm only probably... 10% of the way through it, though. It's massive. Okay, what, what do you want different? I, I maybe, maybe I'm a casual, too, just like you, Jared, but sometimes after I've already cleared an area, I want to just fast travel back to where I want to go and not have to just find the entrance of the, the zone I'm in and click it and then just go to sleep for five minutes while my characters traverse the screen. Yeah, that sounds pretty casual. Because, I mean, I've no. already killed anything. I mean, I'm not, there's nothing else I'm looking for. No enemies are going to ambush me. I've killed everybody. There's literally nothing for me to do except watch my characters walk across the screen. Yeah, so I, I c- wish that I could just maybe teleport to another area. Or if not, they- not like across the map, just teleport back to... I guess you mean, like, you know, go back to the entrance. That, that's all. And that, that's probably my biggest gripe, is that it's like, ugh. Why couldn't they design it like Skyrim, where every dungeon leads right back to the entrance with just a door you couldn't open earlier. And another thing, this might just be my PC, but like it won't let me alt-tab out of it. That's and, and not... Be, that might that's just your, be mine, though. Cause, yeah, that, I was that's like, your I'll, PC, because I, I was alt-tabbing all the... See, that, see, if I could get that to work on mine, maybe I would stop bitching, because I could just search the internet while I'm waiting for my characters to walk. Does it really yeah. take... It takes that long? I'm I'm being... He's, he's exaggerating, but, but it does. I, I get what he's saying. 
I did, I did the Kakeba Kakeba zone, and so I got all the way to the uh, Atkinsons, and I killed everybody, and then I clicked it, and I just wait for them to walk back. And it takes maybe two minutes. So it's not that. Yeah. But still, it's two but minutes I, of me not literally not doing anything. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. Do you need to play Wasteland two or Wasteland one rather to appreciate two, or is it pretty much no. standalone? No. You it don't. Seems like it's I mean, his own standalone story. So. There, there's, there's not an, an Easter eggs and references to. Oh, actually, that. I think you said that in the review, and mm-hmm. I just have forgotten. And I'm t- and so, so let, let me give you a, a bit of background. Fallout One was probably one of the most important games for me because it got me into, um, into computer RPGs. And the reason really was because it was in Spanish, and it was the only one that was in Spanish, and I didn't speak English at the time. So, you know, um, but eventually, you know, when I started, you know, learning other languages and uh, the Internet came along, I actually tracked down Wasteland 1 and I uh, acquired it by means that are illegal. And it is a it is a very hard game to get into, even if you come from the Fallout 1 era. Uh, It's just the design is very obtuse. And you actually, there's parts of the dialogue because the the game was made for diskettes. So there's parts of the dialogue that you actually need to reference to in a in a booklet. Yeah. And when you are, when you buy the game in, on Steam or or in good old games, they actually give you like a PDF. But you know, it goes like you know, you're reading and it says, "Oh, you need to go do this," and then turn to page 46 on the manual and read the rest. Um, so if they had done something where you would need to play the original Wasteland to play Wasteland Two. It would have been suicide. They, it would have been impossible because I don't, I don't have the patience to. Because nothing's more fun when you're playing a game to open a book. No, I mean, and, and it made sense back when they made it in like 1988. Yeah, but um, now you know you, you just can't get away with that. I mean, you need the hardest, of course, <laughs> to be able to put up with something like Wesley. I do say I'm. Um, I mean, I've played Divinity as well, and I'm not a huge graphics whore, but it definitely doesn't look super great. It's super fun, but you can kind of... Divinity was, I think was, was developed uh, on Unity, right? Yeah. And you can tell. Divinity was a particularly pretty game, though. Well, I, yeah. I don't know. That's entirely fair. Unity's not intrinsically an ugly... Uh, you know, it's just it's just about how you use it. Yeah, I mean, and it, I mean, they. I definitely say they crafted the world with care, but it. I mean, everything's uh, everything's made in Unity. Like, yeah, everything. Think of a game. Go ahead. Yep. Halo Reach. Yep, Unity. Well, prob- <laughs> probably. Dark Souls. Yeah, definitely. I don't think they have Unity in Japan. Xenosaga Two. Uh, probably Unity. Maybe. Dor- Dwarf Fortress. Dwarf Fortress. That's yes. probably like X and A. <laughs> yeah. Super Mario Brothers. Um, that's the uh, that was actually made with Hanafuda cards. Yeah, I could have sworn that was Unity. If I'm remembering right. <laughs> but, Pac-Man, original Pac-Man arcade oh, version. Like like first Pac-Man. Yep, that's Unity, right? Um, Sork. I mean, I mean, Sork. it's sourced. Is that what you said? Sork. Zork. Oh, <laughs> Zork. Okay. Text RPG. Okay, well, yeah, well, both of those are actually Unreal 3. <laughs> what? Chess. Chess? Oh, chess. Chess, the board. The Which, board game, chess. Oh, like the actual physical board? Yeah. Is that a handy? It's on the cardboard platform. Oh. So, yeah, it's we're, it, it, it's not good. <laughs> but anyway, um, what was I going to say? Cannonball? Were you going to talk about Cannonball? Let's talk about Cannonball. Cannonball. Who who played it? Is it just you, Lucio? I think so. I, th- I know. I think Jay played it, but you know, he's not here. We had three keys, but um, I don't remember what happened to all of them. So either way, um, I I feel like I've talked about it on the podcast before, but maybe not. So I guess we'll talk about it now. Cannon Brawl is a one-on-one real-time strategy game that's kind of melted into this. Um, artillery game similar to scorched earth or i guess if you're a child of the modern day era maybe like angry birds worms it does have a very worms feel to it mm-hmm. so it's basically, not a crazy but it has a feel 
So basically what happens is you control an airship and you drive around the map. And if you want to place a building, you can go ahead and put a building down. You drive back to your home base. You pick what building you want to lay down. You go and you pick a spot for it. Um, buildings can be things like uh, a mine that will earn you gold, a cannon that will allow you to shoot your opponent. There's really kind of a bunch of different options available to you. Um, something that I like, and I don't know if you felt the same way about it, but the game probably has, what would you say, like 20 like types of, of uh, buildings that you can build? Does that sound about right? That sounds about right, yeah. So when you start the match, you have unlocked all these different buildings, and you may not have all of them because some of them actually take a good long time to unlock. But when you start the match, you have to choose five of them to take into battle, and that's it. You, you mm-hmm. get five of them to, to choose from. So, you know, in a game like StarCraft, there's always this little bit of learning curve where I have to learn, like, okay, this building produces this unit, mm-hmm. and if I want it to make this unit, then I need to upgrade it, but I don't want to upgrade it this way. I want to upgrade it this way, and I need to make sure that this is attached to it, and um, this doesn't have that. This just has, like, five to choose from, and you pick them all before the fight began, and there's also kind of a little bit of strategy to it. You know, you're going to want to maybe look at the map a little bit before you get started and try and figure out what the best units are going to be. Um, there's a couple times where I would die in a match in the campaign because I wasn't properly equipped, and I had to go back and pick different armaments to, to take in and build. Um, so I like that mechanic. It kind of takes something that can really be super complex and makes a lot of that go out the window right at the bat. It's still tr- strategic, but it's strategy that you're kind of solving right off the bat before a match even begins. Have you even tried to um, to go at it without mines? Because I was thinking at one point whether, like, if I just rushed and tried to kill the enemy fast, then maybe I wouldn't gold. Oh, you do. I, I never had the balls to try it. You you definitely can. Um, I've never had any luck doing that, but that is an option because you earn gold regardless. Right. You just earn it a lot faster if you have mines purchased. Right. So but I, yeah, I thought, I thought about trying it, but I never actually took the plunge to to actually go at it without a mine. But so that's what's kind of cool about it, right? Is like you can do a lot of these real time strategy things. Like you could, it's not a zerg rush, of course, but you could rush the enemy. And try to basically just build more weapons than him without a proper financial backing. Yep. And, you know, you might get good results from doing something like that. You may have the exact opposite. You might just get destroyed because of it. Um, I tried it once on an NPC and it didn't go very well. Yeah, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that that's one of those things where if you can master it, you will probably be pretty hard to stop. I don't know if you've played multiplayer, but, but pe- people online in that game are brutal. And a lot of times they're doing stuff that I didn't anticipate they would be doing. Um, like, give me an example. Um, so there's the drill cannon or whatever mm-hmm. that, that actually drills through the ground. That was a lot more popular than I thought. And what I found in a lot of cases is people would drill me down into the ground, not so that my building would be destroyed, but just so I was no longer at an angle where I could actually fire anymore. <laughs> and so it's that's, just it's just little cool. stuff like that that I didn't expect to run into. Um, I have never won an online match in that game. The people who play that game, at least when I was playing it, before it was officially released, uh, they were fucking brutal. Hmm. So, I don't know if that's changed now. I would love to play you, because you're probably closer to my skill level. Probably. Uh, so we'll have to get together and try it sometime. Uh, it also does have local multiplayer that's, I imagine, pretty killer. But I don't have a computer hooked up to a TV that's powerful enough to run it. Yeah, and uh, you need the friends for that. So. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have those either. Yeah, who has those? But if I, ever, if I ever get one, I'll have them come over and we'll play Cannon Brawl. We can always go with the uh, bribing the bums strategy bring homeless people in to play cannon brawl with me yeah no i mean smash brothers i'm gonna have to f- figure that out by the if way you, uh, yeah. you're you're fucking crazy that smash brothers demo is awful really the buttons are completely mapped wrong like they're not even close to right 
Well, it sounds to me that you're making excuses already for when I kick your ass. You're, well, A, you couldn't because you didn't <laughs> even know that it didn't have online. and <laughs> Yeah, that was for me. And B, um, when it does come out, I'll be able to remap the controls and actually do well. But <laughs> as of right now... I don't know, man. For me, it felt pretty natural. So The whole thing needs to be rotated uh, clockwise. Just one position. So I need the bottom button to be my A button attack. I need the X button or whatever to be my, or I guess it's Y on the Wii or on the 3DS. I need that to be my slam or whatever, my special. I don't know, man. I, I felt it was fun. It, it's weird, too, because I don't feel like that's how it controls on the Wii U. Every time I've played it on the Wii U, the buttons don't feel like they're mapped that way. But I could just be remembering it wrong. So, okay, and I mean, I guess that's how you feel, but I felt pretty like I didn't feel like there was a much of a learning curve to the controls at all. I mean, I I didn't think that there there's there's certainly not a learning curve to the control scheme. Um, just that layout doesn't work for me. So once the full game comes out and I can remap the buttons, I'll be happy. Fine. But yeah, anyway, have you two been playing anything else other than Wasteland Two and Cannon Brawl? I've been playing, uh, what's this thing that you gave me yesterday? Eternal Legend. Oh, yeah. How is that? So it's Civilization Five. And how is that? Legend, sorry. So it's, I mean, if you like Civilization games, you're going to like this. It's very, this is the same basic game. There's a few differences, and they mostly have to do with how they handle the units in war. So, like, you can stack units and make them into armies, and then you can separate them if you want. So... I don't know how familiar you guys are with Civilization 4 and 5. I'm very familiar. I, so I know, played them both, but I couldn't tell you anything about them. You know how you can stack units in Civ 4 and 5 when you have a general, right? And you, so you can make an army. Well, you can do that in Endless Legend without necessarily having a special unit. You can just do it by itself. So you can get, like, you know, five marines and put them all together into an army and send that army somewhere. Um... It doesn't allow stacking. The way that you... One of the things that I liked is the way that you uh, grow your city is by building actual streets on different tiles. So it doesn't just grow automatically. Mm-hmm. And if you get a city that's too big for the population that you have, then people get mad. So it's kind of like a more organic way to um, to grow the city. Um, other than that, it's kind of like a sci-fi... Um, like a sci-fi setting, which I'm not sure is a good thing considering that Firax is coming out with um, with Civilization Beyond or whatever. Oh, it's it's sci-fi? Yeah. It looked more fantasy to me. It's Yeah, it's kind of a mix. It's kind of like a mix between sci-fi and... I mean, everything looks pretty... Uh, it's like Fantify. Yeah, you know, kind of like Chronicles of Riddick and stuff like that, where you have space, but you also have, like, magic. I that kind of thing. Like, like Shadowrun, kind of? I mean, you don't really have space in Shadowrun, but... Yeah, it's closer to, like... We're like, oh, look, an elf, and also we're in a shuttle. Yeah, something like that. Without elves, but yeah, kind of. Kind of like... It does have a cool effect when you build a building that it comes out of the ground. Like... Fucking uh, the introduction to Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. What else I have? Um, I mean, it has the same basic uh, setup for you know. It has the same grid, a civilization. It has the same um, type of um, of thing where you have you know you can build food or you can focus on science or you can focus on technology. One thing that I did like is that the the way that they did the technology tree, it seems that it's a lot harder to abuse. Because in civilization, if you know how the technologies interact with each other, you can very easily just like make a civilization that doesn't have toilets but has like the best tank. And, you know, just go and steamroll through everything. And it seems that this game is a lot harder to do that. I mean, it might be easy. I need to spend more time to it with, with it to know. People will find a way. 
I mean, there's always a way to exploit the tech trees, right? From what I'm saying is, what it has is, it has different stages, and it has a bunch of technologies that are vaguely interrelated, and you have to choose like nine before you can move into the next era, so to speak. You can't just go through the tree and like, you know, pick uh, militarism, ironworking, combustion engine, and so on until you get to how many, to you I guess, build. like... I guess in Civ it would be how many, how many civilizations. So I guess how many playable factions or people are there? Um, just the one, as far as I can tell. Just the one. Just the one. But I'll, I'll, I haven't really spent that much time. I could really play it for like an hour last night. Okay, mm, so, so it's just very, very shallow opinions on a game that's probably a lot more. So is there, and um, maybe I'm simplifying this too much, but so like. It's like civilization. Is there anything that you can zero in on, like one feature that you can zero in on that is an improvement or something unique to it that you would never see in civilization? Or is it really just like a one-to-one recreation? Honestly, it's more like a mixture of the best parts of five and four. Without the depth that four has. That sounds pretty good, though, right? It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. Hmm. Um, And... The problem that I have with it is that I'd rather play Civilization. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Well, so it's a more boring version of Civilization Five with right, well, aliens. Oh, that's pretty boring. <laughs> like, I get that is not a fan. It's very boring. It, 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 it is boring, but I, 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 guess, I enjoy it. I guess I, I would actually recommend it over Five just because I felt that Five was uh, fairly shallow compared to Four. And I know that a lot of people were kind of turned off, especially with the, the expansions, with uh, four being having just too much going on. So this kind of strikes a pretty good balance between the two. Hmm. So um, yeah, it sounds all right. I mean, it, it's not for me, but it sounds all right for somebody else, like me. Let's talk about before we finish up. Let's talk about Defense Grid. Um, need- let's talk about. Neither of you played it, right? No. Yeah. So I had a chance to play it at PAX. And uh, when you go and you interview for like games at PAX, the bigger the game, the, uh, the greater the odds are that you're just going to meet like a PR person, maybe. And that's it. You know, mm-hmm. um, these guys like paired me up with their executive producer or something. And so I kind of got him to walk me through the game and admittedly he sold me on the concept a lot more than I think the game by itself could have. <laughs> so it's a tower defense game, which I assume both of you guys are familiar with the, the general concept. Yeah. Um, it's kind of unique and they've come up with a couple different things to, to make it more unique. And I talked about this a little bit in the review, but one of the big things that uh, this producer really wanted to hammer in on is the, um, Traditional tower defense, if you have an enemy that gets past your towers and runs to your base, it's it's kind of over at that point, right? Like you're right. You, you can keep playing, but you feel like you've failed and there's there's this it, it's just gonna get worse from there. Like even if you build up the infrastructure, when one of them gets through, you kind of get this sinking feeling that a lot of them are going to get through. Right. So they've tried to kind of counteract this in defense grid, and the way that they've done that is enemies aren't running to your base to attack it. They are running to it to steal a power core from it. And once the enemy has stolen the power core, they actually have to backtrack through the level to bring it back home, uh, Hmm. which gives you a second chance to kill that enemy. Like, they're going to basically run through your your stuff twice. Um, What's interesting about this is if somebody's running back and you're able to kill them, they'll drop the power core... And then very slowly, it will work its way back to the base until it's back in safe and sound. But if another enemy gets to the power core as it's floating back, they'll immediately turn on their heels and start running the other way. Right. So the the kind of keeping an eye on the amount of waves becomes a lot more important because you can get away with a really close call. But then if, if five of your power cores are just chilling out right by the entrance, the next wave is going to come in and scoop them all up and then you're going to be in trouble. So 
it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting take on tower defense. Um, these guys obviously know that it is not traditionally a game that people want to sit down and spend 40 hours playing. Right. Like, tower defense is fun for 15 minutes and then, and then you're kind of over it, you know? And I think these guys are very acutely aware of that. And because of that, they've put a ton of modes into the game. So you can play each of the 20 like campaign missions, but each one of them has 11 different variants that you can do. Holy shit. And some of those, they, they all do little minor things. And almost every single one of them, of course, makes the game harder. So <laughs> there's one variant, for example, where the power cores don't float back. They can be grabbed and carried back to the entrance. And if they fall, they just stay there until the map is done. And uh, that, of course, adds a lot of pressure and may make you like, uh, you know, if a core gets dropped somewhere, you might start moving all of your towers to that area to try and stop people from getting that core. So it kind of changes your strategy and your your uh, gameplay style a little bit. So is there like a plot to it or? There is. And Defense Grid is... Um, the first one had a plot too, and they've they've actually attached like a pretty deep script to the game, and, and it, on the first one too, they both had kind of deep scripts. My issue is that this game pretty much assumes that you've played everything in the Defense Grid series up until this point, and okay. it makes almost no effort to like catch you up if you didn't. So. There are characters that were released in one of the expansions for Defense Grid who've never appeared in the series any other time, and they're, like, vitally important in Defense Grid 2, and they have no introduction. They're just with you with no explanation as to why. So even if you just played the original game and beat it, you're still going to be lost when you start up Defense Grid 2. (laughs) So... That's, That's a little disappointing. Is the, is the lore really that deep? No. Um, oh. Well, sort of. So, like, the majority of the characters are AIs. They used to be humans, but something has happened to turn them into computers or to have them merge with computers. Um, but, again, there's not really, like, unless you played the original, you don't really know any of the backstory for that. And mm-hmm. so you're dealing with this cast of characters that appears that has a ton of dialogue and none of what they're saying, you're like, oh, I guess you're a robot. Like, you find that out because they start talking about how they miss their human bodies. Hmm. Um, and what's weird about this is, like, they hired a pretty robust voice cast, too. Like, you guys know who Jennifer Hale is, I'm assuming. Right. Um, and then Alan Tudyk from Firefly, Serenity. Uh, right. So, I mean, they're they're paying for a pretty... I don't want to say star-studded, but a sizable cast. I mean, that's pretty star-studded for a game. That's a game. Well, and especially a game that's launching for like twenty four ninety nine on Xbox Live Arcade. Right. Like, this isn't The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is something completely different. And so the fact that they got female Shepard in their voice acting it, like, that's a pretty big deal. But what kills me about it is like no, none of these characters have pictures or e- even like designs of any kind. So you have no idea what anybody looks like. And I understand that most of them are robots, but like, think of a robot. You know what he looks like. What does HAL 9000 look like? What does right. C-3PO look like? You know, you know what all of them look like. And a lot of them are designed, like, you know, very carefully, right? Yeah, and so, I mean, what these guys have done is every character has a outline or silhouette of a human, and then it's outlined in, like, a color. So the main character has this silhouette of a man that's outlined in a, in a bright red color, and that's, that's him. Mm. And I don't know. It just feels so weird to me that you would get this top-notch voice acting and then couldn't even be bothered to like draw art for the characters. So like, at least put like a, like a weird like, communicator face like they used to in, Star, in StarCraft. Yeah, yeah, sort of. I mean, but Starcraft, StarCraft's faces One. are even more detailed. Starcraft 1. Yeah, even Starcraft 1, the characters have more of a face than they actually do in uh, in Defense Grid 2. That's pretty amazing. So, I don't know. Uh, it's a little weird to me, a little disappointing. And there's a lot of dialogue, and a lot of it happens at the end of levels. So you'll beat a level, and then you're just sitting there listening to them talk until the until it's over. And there's nothing to watch while this is going on. You just look at your you know victory screen and just listen to the characters talk. So, I don't know. It's a little disjointed. 
Yeah, but, that's a strange decision to make. But that's not why you play tower defense. You know? Yeah, I think having a story in a tower defense game is weird in the first place. It's almost, so. a, it's almost a detractor. Um, I was asking about it because some of, some of the things you mentioned on your, on your review called me curious about. My favorite thing is very easily the uh, fighting multiplayer mode. And basically what you do is each player uh, deals with an identical map with waves of enemies. But when you kill an enemy, they appear on the other player's map in the exact spot they died. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so you're trying to be very strategic about where you're killing people to create the most challenge for your enemy. It's actually a really, really cool idea, and it's incredibly fast-paced and like super frantic, um, but that's a lot of fun. The other nice thing, and I know I mentioned this in the review, is while you're waiting to connect to one of these multiplayer matches, you can keep playing the single player just like normal. Um, if you quit the game at any time, you can pick up right where you left off. Like It's a really nice game to just pick up and play for even like 10 minutes and then just drop it completely, and it's no problem. You're not going to lose any progress when you come back. Well, that's kind of the point of tower defense, right? Yeah. The other kind of weird thing, though, is because of the nature of how they have the missions laid out, um, there's nothing stopping you from playing any story mission that you want. Like, you can go straight to the last mission. That's just fine. It's a, it's a little strange. Okay. It's a little yeah, odd. That's, that's weird. But yeah. Did you actually beat the last mission? Or is it like you have to get like points to upgrade things so you couldn't actually finish the last mission, but you could try it? Um, you don't have all the characters, but I mean, other than that, like, I, I think you could probably beat it no. or at least come pretty close. Maybe you do have the characters. I, I never jumped straight to it, so I'm not sure what you have by the time you get to it. Hmm. I just noticed in the middle of the game, I came back and I forgot which map I was on and, uh, I hadn't been earning any medals for a little bit. So like they didn't have icons saying that I'd cleared them. So I had to try like three missions before I found the one that I was on. I don't think that's a normal problem. I think usually the game just takes you right back to the one you were working on. But Yeah, that sounds strange. For me. I, I think that was just a bug or something. But anyway, normally I would never pick up a tower defense game. I don't think that they're uh, super exciting or anything. I've, I've dinked around with them a little bit on like my phone, but I've never played them you know, really heavily. Um, yeah, they don't sound like games that you produce. For what it is, good. for what it is, this game is actually pretty good. So would you say it's like the benchmark against which all of other tower defense games will be judged? I think it's the best tower defense game I've ever played. So there I, you go. I could definitely say that. And I mean, you're welcome to suggest another one, but I think that's pretty much it. I don't know any other defense <laughs> games. See, and that's the thing. So like, it's kind of victory by default. Like there are a couple others that I've played, um, but this one is definitely like the highest quality, the most polished. They've obviously put a lot of effort into it. I wish that they would put a little bit more effort into entertaining me while I play. Like, if you're going to have this crazy story, then you may as well put a little art direction into it. Um, but they've chosen not to do that, and whatever, that's that's their prerogative. That's not really what the game's about anyway. Um, what it is about is actually pretty fun. Yeah, if, you're, you if you're bored and you have $25, I, I think you could do a lot worse than, than Defense Grid. So anyway. Not a recommendation. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. So I think... That's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's anything else to talk about this week. All right, good deal. Well, we got a lot of uh, cool stuff coming up on the on the horizon. Some Persona games, a bunch of other shit that's coming out soon. Smash mm -hmm. Brothers, obviously. So uh, if you're not already, go follow us at The Enemy Slime on both Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes at the link below the player. And uh, if you want to write into us and tell us how wrong we are about everything we said and how Tim Schafer is actually a great accountant, uh, <laughs> write us at contact at enemyslime.com. Uh, you know what? Don't write us if you're going to say lies, okay? Ah, whatever. I, I, you, you, can, you can, you know, call me whatever and you know, threaten us if you want to. That's fine. We're used to it. <laughs> you know what? He so still don't come on and say lies. In my book, he still has all the goodwill that he like. He's got like a lifetime supply of goodwill because of Day of the Tentacle. So good look, job, Tim. Look, uh, he, he can be the worst accountant in the world. I'm still going to be excited when his game comes out. Yep, yep. That's just <laughs> how it is. So, but Space Base is definitely a fuck up. So shame on everyone. <laughs> anyway, that's it.